Grace and peace from God, our Creator, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. University folk, students and teachers alike, are in a very special way people of words, lots of words, generously distributed. I'm sure that some of my students when they skim the sea of words in the readings I assign, sometimes have to look for familiar concepts to grab onto, like life preservers in the open water, or maybe like vine swings in the jungle to get them from meaning to meaning, and perhaps even to the holy grail of getting it in the end. They look, as I do sometimes, for blocks of words that describe things they can comprehend, things that fit into their picture of reality, and then use these to help them understand the other parts they can't yet understand, the words that, that one can see and even say aloud, but which still don't mean anything yet to the person who's struggling to understand them. Though to drown in a sea of words is not likely to be fatal, it's certainly not a happy feeling for those who feel like they're going down for the third time. And then on the other hand, we are also remarkably fluent and easy with the words we use ourselves, so much so that we can have whole conversations using just a little handful of them. Even the text messages we send We use single letters or numbers to stand for words and thereby save ourselves a few thumb keystrokes and an instant of time. And even in those terse messages, we can say so much with a well-placed OMG (laughs) or an empathetic LOL especially if we go quite beyond words to symbolic language, to semicolon, hyphen, close paren. In other words, the winky smiley face that reminds us to take the message that came before it and perhaps ourselves a little less seriously. Some of us only came to understand how slippery and arbitrary language is when we undertook to learn a new one and realized that not only did the new language have different words for everything, it had new words that didn't match our first language at all. And that now sometimes it took several words to get across an idea that we could express in our mother tongue with just one. It's always an eye-opener to see how the structures of language both reflect and then also shape the thought patterns of human beings from different places in the world. In the long struggle of the people of faith to understand the God they believe created and sustains them, a God who loves them and has a purpose for them, believers have used words of all kinds to describe and depict, to define and draw mental images of that distant God. And in turn, they look for God in words they believe come from God as messages of hope and affection, sometimes even of warning and scolding. Among the most sublime language 
humans have ever used are descriptions of the nature and qualities of God. Love, grace, promise, hope. Human attempts to capture a glimpse of a shadow of the divine have been among the most beautiful things ever written. Truly, words with wings. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, the writer has given God words. Words and a mouth from which the words come forth. Together with a promise that with those words comes power. Power for life, for accomplishment, for action, and fulfillment, and satisfaction. The words of God's mouth in this case are a symbol for God's love and care for the world God has made and a sign of God's ongoing engagement with God's human creatures. We say that God, who is far above language and above speaking, has words and a voice and a mouth. Because we want God to communicate with us intelligibly in ways that we can understand and to tell us things that have meaning. But what this passage from Isaiah crystallizes in a single sentence is the idea that God's words are more than just a message from the other side. They are the very power that gives life. Not just words on a scroll or on a page, but a life-giving, life-changing energy that goes out and fills the lifeless with breath and feeds the hungry and gives drink to those who thirst. Simply to call this God's words seems like too pale a description for this active, life-filled force, which Isaiah says goes out and never comes back empty. And then, as though to explode the boundaries even more, the author of John's gospel begins its story of the beginning of all things in God with an even more powerful and vivid kind of word. A word that was before all else and in which all began. A word not like any word made up of morphemes or phonemes or that you could look up in a dictionary, but a capital W word that gave life to everything else and ultimately became human. What kind of word is that that has an embodied being? More than a noun, and yet at the same time a verb, being, becoming, before and beyond all else, exploding both the boundaries of wordness and of fleshness in a tumbling circle of ever higher meaning. All the things that human words are intended to express, objects, realities, actions, states of being, all these get rolled into one and are made cosmic in this one word that was before all things and which contained all things in itself. This word, the one made human, the light that is the life of all, is what Christians understand as Jesus. A word 
that connotes a meaning, God's love for all, but also a word beyond words that does not just reflect meaning as our everyday words reflect things, but actually gives life and meaning and shape to reality. This this living word, living before all, living in human life in Jesus, is living on to shape our future reality as well. Martin Luther believed that the powerful reality that John's gospel calls the word that was in the beginning was the same powerful reality that brought Jesus and his message to life in the hearts of his listeners long ago and lived on in their communities and which still now resonates through the Christian tradition in the gospel message of life and hope to which the scriptures witness. Luther also believed that this powerful word is still spoken and heard today in settings like this where humans of all kinds, each grasping their own corners of the truth, come to hear new words that try to to re-express a divine reality too big for words, but whose outline can still be grasped through them. Not that we can ever get a complete picture of God, no matter how many words we use or how carefully we choose them, For God is both revealed by language, but also still hidden within and behind it by the inability either of human minds to grasp or communication skills to express a majesty so great, so far beyond all other reality, that our descriptions are always lacking and incomplete and out of date. And at the same time, These imperfect words are how God comes to us. How the invisible God is heard and felt and known, clothed in human ideas stitched together with human words. And as Luther believed, human speech and God's spirit are then drawn together into a unity. And human language hides an unknowable God, at the very same time, it communicates God to us intimately and truthfully in ways that we can understand and grasp. The same primal cosmic word that made all things, that reconciled all things to God, is the one that animates all our little words, preached and lived out in a million places in all our lives today. For this word is one in which God offers life, both as the giver and as the gift, and through which we come to know a truth too deep for words, that this word of all words, this word beyond words, is meant for us to pull us into life in God and to hold us there forever, never returning empty. Amen.